Before we dive into this episode of the Talk 20s podcast, I wanted to tell you about how much I've been loving Plum recently. Plum is a free app that last week helped me save a whopping £175 a year on my electricity bill by informing me I was overpaying with my previous provider and suggesting a cheaper alternative. I know that for most of you listeners, you just want an easy life when it comes to sorting out bills. So why not check out the Plum app by clicking the link in the show notes? A huge thank you to Plum for sponsoring this episode. I think it's so important to remember that when we look around, we only see people's external and what they are showing. And it's all shiny and bright. And we're comparing that to our internal world, which is messy and sometimes cruel and judgmental and not perfectly formed but they you can't compare them it's it's incomparable yet we constantly berate ourselves I think do you find yourself winging your way through life hoping you'll figure it all out on the way hello it's me Gabby Mendez your 20s wing woman and you're listening to the talk 20s podcast here you'll find me chatting to influential 20-somethings on different topics that matter to you in your 20s and all the things we never got taught in school This is your ultimate guide to adult life. So if you're ready, let's go. So hello and welcome to another episode of the Talk 20s podcast. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by author Emily Horton. Her brilliant and heartwarming debut novel, Before I Saw You, flips modern dating on its head and asks if you can really fall in love with someone you've never seen. The book tackles the culture of modern dating where people choose a partner based primarily on their looks, a subject more pertinent than ever before with the rise in dating apps during the pandemic. Before I Saw You also has a deeper, more personal message of learning to accept yourself. And Emily was inspired to write this book by her own experiences with vulnerability, body confidence, eating disorders, and healing. Being a young woman and experiencing the downsides of the competitive nature of social media and the detrimental comparisons between females saw Emily struggle at times with her mental health. But through her journey of self-love, the characters of Alice and Alfie were born. Having read and adored the book myself, I cannot wait to interview Emily today. So hello, Emily, welcome to the podcast and congratulations on your brand new book. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's so nice hearing when people kind of read back to you what the book's about. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you um, wrote that. So yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, is this me? Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. So tell us a little bit more about the book and kind of your journey in order to create the book, because it's an amazing achievement to become a published author. So tell us a little bit more about your journey. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I had the idea of the idea of the book in a sense quite a few years ago um, and I just had this vision of these two people and it really did come through as like an image of these two people laying in the beds next to each other and like bearing their souls and I kind of I thought it was really powerful but I, I kind of just left it where it was and didn't really think anything of it um, so I came from a corporate background so I worked um, at Tesco head office and then I moved to Barclays and then you know one of those things where you look back and you're like I don't even know how this all happened but I decided to take a sabbatical so I took five months off work um, which I was obviously really fortunate to do and I went traveling Um, and I went to India and um, Sri Lanka and Bali and when I was in India um, it was obviously extremely wild trip because I was deleting messages off my phone I was doing some phone admin you know and I came across this list in my notes section of story ideas and the before I saw you, which it wasn't called then, was there. And it just all started to come through, all these ideas, these characters. And then that's when Alice and Alfie really came to light. Um, and their love story 
uh, and friendship element came because before that it was very much just that idea of opening yourself up to someone when you aren't able to see them um and as you touched on in the introduction I think a lot of that vulnerability piece came from a lot of my experiences um and then yes I wrote the book and in a very serendipitous nature literally within a year left my job and and then it it kind of was born and created and written it's amazing Um, yeah well well I absolutely love reading it I've got it here I've literally just finished it in the past few days and like I said to you before we came onto the podcast I don't read a lot of fiction books (laughs) I don't I read a lot of self-help books but this really like took me into another world and it allowed me to kind of feel a lot of things through the characters that you kind of portray in the in the book so can you tell us a little bit more about the scenarios without giving too much away to anyone who's hoping to read the book but a little bit more about the premise for the story and how it kind of evolves because you're the best person to tell it not me (laughs) (laughs) okay so yeah it's about two characters Alice and Alfie um and they both uh experience very life-changing accidents Um, And they find themselves in a hospital ward, a rehabilitation unit, uh, in the beds next to each other. And Alfie and Alice, you couldn't get more different personalities. Um, And Alice is very closed off. Uh, She kind of refuses to speak, actually. And she, she hides herself away. And you've got Alfie, on the other hand, who is extremely determined to befriend her. So you see this dynamic and all the other patients and characters. Um kind of come together and you see them go from complete strangers to friends and then potentially something more um and it's humorous and there's a lot of characters that you know are in the background that I absolutely love um but it's also about as you touched on that idea of self-healing and self-acceptance and not only the relationship between the two characters but also the relationship with themselves Mm-hmm, absolutely. So let's chat a little bit more about self-acceptance in your 20s, because I think it's one of those yes. things that we don't talk about enough. And it's not I think I think what's probably hard about it is that we grow into our 20s not really knowing necessarily what our identity is. I think we form that a lot in our 20s. I think, yeah. you know, we've just done like 18 years of school and education and stuff like that. And that obviously shapes us into the person that we are. But if I'm being honest, it's taken me, you know, a good five years to really get out into the adult world, go, that's for me. That's not for me. I like doing this. I'm best at doing that. And finding the person that I am and essentially coming to, to accept who I am. And this is the person that I am. Um, and that takes a little bit of time. And, and, and for me, it's taken five years for some people may take two, some people may take 10, some people might take a lifetime, you know? Um, And I think that's ever evolving, you know, you're constantly changing and stuff. What's your view of kind of self-acceptance for, for kind of this generation, this decade? Yeah. And I, would say it's something that I've probably at many points through my 20s have been like oh yeah I've got it and then I'll be like oh no I haven't you know like (laughs) it's a a constantly evolving thing for me personally it's something that is is a very interesting journey um I cannot imagine growing up now I mean the amount of content in a wonderful way but also in a very overwhelming way that people are faced with in terms of what you should be what you should look like how you should act how you should live your life I would find it extremely overwhelming um I think 
it is about really tuning in to what you want and what you need in those moments. And, and it's a practice, right? It's work. It's, it's not a simple, I definitely had this idea that it would just happen one day and I would just be like, Oh my God, I'm so accepting of myself and free from this judgment, but it is work and it's practice. And and the more you do it and the more you find ways to, to cultivate it, the easier, it's not easy, but the easier it will be. Um, but I do think you're right. I think it comes with time. I think it comes with experiences, knowing what you like and don't like. Sometimes you have to experience what you don't like to be like, no, this isn't working for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just going through that process, I think is really important. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So talking a little bit more about your journey beforehand, because you worked in the corporate world before, before you yeah. came to be an author, which obviously gives you some kind of a different kind of lifestyle to what you're currently leading right now. Do you feel like you were more accepting of yourself now or you are, or you, or when you were in the corporate world, how has, how has your view of self-love and self-acceptance changed as a result of doing quite a big career change to be mm. fair? Yeah. And that's a, actually a really good question. I haven't ever really thought about my life in corporate and now through the view of like the self-love aspect. Um, mm. I think there was definitely, I'm not going to lie, like there was definitely a moment after like the, you know, I, I left my job in February, 2020. So just before the pandemic really kicked off. Mm. And, you know, I had this big vision of how I was going to spend my time, like writing. I, 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 I'm a fitness instructor, spin teacher, yoga teacher. And I just thought, oh, you know, I'm going to spend all my time doing these classes and blah, blah. And then the pandemic came in and obviously that was taken away. And I think in that space, I kind of was like, what am I doing? Who am I? What am I without that structure and identity of a head of digital banking, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a long time to really accept that there was a reason why I chose to leave. And I don't necessarily need that role definition to be acceptable and and you know my version of work may be very different to the traditional nine to six meetings blah 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 but that doesn't make it any less valuable and that's been something I've really had to work through um Mm. and finding other like-minded people who are in a similar situation um has been very powerful for me to help me go okay especially when I'm you know living with my sister who's working that traditional you know really intense meeting as cool way and I'm sat there like oh I'm just waiting for my creativity to come to write book two you know it was a yeah. real yeah <laughs> comparison mode of like should I meet mm. on a meeting like should I go back to corporate world um but again it was coming back to like why I left what was my intention for leaving um so that in itself has been a journey I think I have more time to give and practice self-love practices now um which I'm very grateful for. So yeah, I think it's been hard, but I definitely think now is a, I'm in a better place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think you mentioned that kind of time and, and, and giving yourself space to kind of feel that self-love. And I think a lot of us, because we've been kind of thrown into lockdown, I would hope, and I know it's the case for many of my friends that I've spoken to, but there's been more times to kind of, you know, 
everyone says, oh, self-care is not like a face mask or stuff like that, but it is creating time for you and whatever that is, whatever joy brings to your world. If it is a face mask, if it is watching your favorite Netflix, if it is catching up with your friends, like all of that is, is self-love. It's the kind of things that, that make you happy. And, you know, a lot of us, you know, for, for many of us, our worlds do revolve around our jobs, but I think this Mm. allowed us to stop and pause and go, no, actually, what am I actually doing with my life? What am I living for except just this organization? And I think it allowed people to have new kind of ideas and and, and it was an unfamiliar feeling. It definitely was for me anyway. It was an unfamiliar feeling going, yeah. well, I've actually not got to do a two-hour commute to work. What am I going to do with that time? Um, 100%. So, so yeah, I think, it, I think it's one of those things that has you know, really changed in the past year, but hopefully for the better. Uh, What would you say to anyone right now who is particularly struggling with self-love, self-acceptance about who they are and are in their 20s and are finding that quite tough at the moment? Yeah, I think it's really a process of, and what I found personally, is really trying to find those moments like you, you kind of alluded to. And, and also realizing that there isn't like a checklist of if I do X, Y, Z, then I will love myself, which I, I mean, I'm very guilty of being like, just tell me what I need to do yeah, and I'll do it too. and then I'll love myself. And I'm, yeah, I'm like, yep, done that, done that. I think it's a real case of tuning in and trusting yourself and finding those moments to just ask yourself, like, what do I want to do right now? you know, maybe it isn't a face off. Maybe I don't want to just spend an hour just by myself, you know, or maybe I do. It's kind of trying to remove those distractions and that noise and, and really try and shift your perspective on, you know, we're not taught really to think about what do I want? Mm. I, especially how I grew up, it was like, yeah, but please everyone else around you actually it's about coming back to just checking in with yourself I think and being kind to yourself in the process like it it took you this many years to get to where you are it's not going to be an overnight fix to kind of move to a new new way of thinking so just really celebrating those moments or being kind to yourself and patient I I think would be the main things because again when I make a decision about something I want it to happen straight away and sometimes sitting with the journey of it is the hardest bit, but also mm. you kind of have to go through it um, and lean on people for support, like find those people that resonate or, or inspire you in that, in that way and let them guide you and drive you and just be surrounding yourself with those kind of people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think one of the things I love about the book in particular is the way you kind of share the um, the two main characters' internal monologue, because they yeah. often, I mean, it's it's easy to see. And when you read it through, you just think, yeah, that's exactly how I would think. And it starts off, obviously, they've just had these two terrible accidents, the pair of them separately. And you kind of see how they are thinking about the conversations that they are having. And I have never really, you know, read something that really speaks to how I sometimes talk to myself in my brain. And it can be quite detrimental. It can be quite, you know, quite negative, quite self-sabotaging. And it was really nice to see how in the book that kind of improved and they kind of did use kind of coping mechanisms to talk themselves out of that negative self-talk that they were, had obviously uh, started off with after the accident, which is only natural. But I think that's one of probably one of my favorite bits about the book, because you can really get to know these characters by knowing what is going on in their brain, because we all have an internal monologue that 
probably doesn't speak to us in the most positive of ways, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it was interesting. A lot of people, when I was writing the book, were like, oh, are any characters based on anyone you know? And I was a bit like, yeah, there's a few people that are based on, you know. And I got to the end of the book and I was like, oh, Alice and Alfie are, part, are, are very much reflections of my, me and my internal world at times, you know, like mm. Alfie and the humour and using that as a real way to to please people and, and win affection. And then obviously Alice, on the other hand, very focused, very, you know, I don't need anyone, Driven, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I think it's so important to remember that when we look around, we only see people's external and what they are showing and it's all shiny and bright. And we're comparing that to our internal world, which is messy and sometimes cruel and judgmental and not perfectly formed but they you can't compare them it's it's incomparable yet we constantly berate ourselves I think because we don't know what's existing in someone else's head and I think one of the big the big things that comes out when we talk about mental health is until you ask you will never know um and I just think for me it was really important to get in their heads to show that vulnerability and what they are hiding from that outer world, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of us kind of can relate to. Mm-hmm. And talking about vulnerability a little bit more, the character of Alfie, I think he probably, I, I, I like, I like with you, I, I see myself in both of them. It's amazing how you've written these yep. two characters, but I think with Alfie, especially because he's so cheerful and because he's so positive and because he has that exterior where everything looks okay. Um, I won't go into it too much to detail because I don't want to spoil yeah. it for the listeners, but you know, <laughs> he does have challenges with his mental health throughout the book. Um, yeah. And, and it, I think a lot of people find that really difficult because they think he's the person that has it all under control because of his exterior, because he has this positive attitude, because he is like the person that lights up a room when he walks in. Um, yeah. For people, for, for people who are like, like that or kind of identify to, to that, it can be so hard sometimes to speak up and to say, actually, I'm struggling too, because everyone looks at you going, but you're the most positive person I know. Um, and that can yeah. be really, really hard sometimes, because like you say, that what's going on on the interior isn't necessarily reflected on the exterior, is it? Yeah, 100%. And I mean, I will put my hands up and say that that has been me very much at so many points in my life, you know? Um and I remember two moments really that stick out in my mind when I kind of, I knew it was happening, but you know, when something gets played back to you and you think, oh my God, yes. Like one time my my best, best friend, I've grown up with her, went to school together. You know, I would always ask how she was. And if I was ever not feeling okay, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not feeling great, but I'm fine. And then one day I remember she turned around and was like, you know how much I you care about how I am? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, and that if, you know, you being a good friend to me is being there for me. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, why are you doing me the disservice of not allowing me to do the same for you? And I was like, what? She was like, you don't let me help you. And I, and that is part of a friendship. And I just really realized like, as yeah, like if she was doing that to me, I would feel quite upset you know I want to help her and she feels the same about me and I think really understanding that the people that are going to love you want to love all of you and they want the opportunity to love all of you and actually 
by holding that back, you're stopping them. You're even stopping them having the chance to. Um, and the other one was at Barclays. We, we, me and my um, work wife, we ran this <laughs> um, this program of events, and one of them was mental health. And we got people from from the office to to share their experiences. And, and I stood up, and it was the first time I'd spoken publicly, really openly about my struggles with mental health. And the number of people that emailed me afterwards going, you were the last person I would have thought. Mm. But now it's made me realize to check on those people that I would never think are struggling. And again, it's just remembering that usually the people that are laughing the loudest are hiding some of the biggest pain, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a tough one. And it takes a lot of courage to, to be something other than what people you think people want you to be. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Now, obviously, the whole premise of the book is the fact that the two characters can build a relationship without seeing one another. Um, And this is obviously massive because I think it's obviously in terms of the vulnerability as well. I think they can be so much more open Mm. because they are scared of their appearances and what the other person will think of them based on the way they look after all the accidents that they've had. Um, so I think this kind of way that they are able to build such a strong and solid relationship that no matter what that person looks like on the other side of the curtain, they absolutely, you know, think they are wonderful. How yeah. on earth did you come up with that concept? I think it's brilliant. And I know you mentioned you kind of, you put it on, on a note and came up with your phone, but like, how did you evolve that kind of story and the characters together? And, and, and where did it kind of stem from? Yeah, I think it, it, it is interesting I personally feel, and and I guess it comes through in the fact that I write. Writing has always been a real means for me to express myself emotionally. And so when when I'm not face-to-face with someone, maybe I find it easier to write how I really feel because because I can be completely honest and and there's no one looking at me, you know, I don't have the eyes on me. And I think that piece of my personal experience probably really stuck with me. Um, And I think you see it everywhere, you know, for good and for bad. So, you know, you, you hear about people forming relationships with people online they never met, but they have these amazing conversations or trolling, you know, people can be completely cruel and say these things because there's no accountability because I'm hidden behind a screen. And I think in a world where we are so focused on how we look, um, and I've, again, felt very conscious of the way I look for a very long time, I just, I guess it was the love story that I would want for me, where I, I would want someone to know me at my rawest inside, you know, that part of me rather than what is presented on the outside. Um, Originally, actually, the idea was that one of them was going to be blind. So it didn't even matter what they looked like, but then that was very difficult to write. Yeah, Yeah. but I was like, how? I mean, that is just common. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) Yeah, you don't Um, need to have a lot of doctors on hand to be able to help you write that narrative. (laughs) Right? Why are they even in the same? This is too much. Um, And I think, you know their accidents and what they lose is also very pertinent to their characters and their journeys you know um but I don't know I it did just come in that way and as a creative person 
I don't know whether you've had the same, but when something just seems to fall into place and it's just coming through and, mm. and, and that's the best way. It sounds really like airy fairy, like, Oh, great. <laughs> but that is the experience that happened, you know, um, with those characters, they were very strong in my mind. So yeah, I don't know if that's a really explained anything, no. but yeah. It, no, it's great. And I think the other aspect that we, we haven't really touched on enough is kind of dating and kind yes. of the whole <laughs> world of dating. Like, how do you feel like it's evolved in, in 2021, but also across oh. the past decades? Because dating is a totally different game. And to be honest, I've been out of it for the past seven years. So I can't really talk <laughs> on this matter. But but yeah, yeah. what are your thoughts? Well, I can very much talk um, for this experience. Um, <laughs> I've been in it for the 29 years of my life. No, not not really. But um, I think it's really hard at the moment. I mean, I, you know, I go through phases and most of my friends that I speak to have these phases where they'll download the apps and they'll be really on. They're like, yes, I'm going to meet someone. And then you just get fatigued with it. And then you're like, or you have a few dates, it doesn't really go anywhere, or, you know, some something, someone's a bit of an arsehole. And then you're just a bit like, nah, you know, you know, it's this real love-hate relationship, I think. Um, I think, obviously, with the pandemic, it, it things have been switched up in intensity because you either are outside or a walk for a walk, or, yeah, let's isolate together, quarantine together. You know, it's very yeah. intense. Mm -hmm. good thing and a, and a bad thing I mean you're forced to get to know someone very quickly but do you skip a lot of stages of of getting to know someone organically um I think there is so much choice as well this is another one of my my things my not theories but I do think there is so much choice out there that actually there isn't this if it doesn't work it's okay because I can just download an app and then find 25 other people in my area that I can go on a date with. So I do think there is a real fickleness sometimes about mm. dating at the moment. Um, but I do think the pandemic has shown a lot of people how important connection and support and partnership is. I mean, I haven't chosen to date in this kind of half of the, you know, this, the last couple of lockdowns. And um, I did it at the very beginning, but it's difficult, you know, it is really, really difficult, um, especially as you kind of come towards your late 20s when either people are in relationships getting married, having babies, or they're mm. single and on hinge. Do you know what I mean? It's like a very mm. extreme situation. Um, but again, it's about the willingness to put yourself out there because you're not going to meet people if you're not open to it. Um, and it does take a lot of courage, I think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think I think the other thing that, that you touch on there is kind of the fickleness of, of dating mm. and kind of the whole idea that like swipe right or swipe left entirely yeah. based on someone's appearance. You could have an insane connection with someone if you bumped into them in the street. You have absolutely no idea. But I think the whole kind of, and I get like, it's an algorithm. Like I get that's how it's, it, and there's been plenty of relationships that have worked as a result of it. So it yeah. has plenty of success stories, but it does mean that we kind of liken all social interaction in a very similar way. Like, you know, would I swipe right for them or would I swipe left? Like it's it's crazy to, to kind of think like that. Um, and I think when you kind of, 
get to know someone on a deeper level, it's so yeah. much more powerful than, you know, maybe over text or just by seeing pictures of them. Like, you know, we can all fall in love with a picture, but in reality, what is their life like? What have they been brought up like? What are they, what's yeah. their story? Like, you don't know all of that. And, and the other thing that we say is that like, especially when we chatted about Alfie in the book, when people put a profile together, that's their chosen exterior. That is how they yeah. want you to be seen that's that's how they want you to see them that's what they want you to think about them but you know you know we've all seen a very you know strong examples of catfishes like yeah people can be totally different people you know when it when you turn up on the day as well 100% and even when you you know meet someone and I've definitely had this I I like to believe I'm very what you see is what you get or, or you know when when you're interacting with me and we're talking I, I I like to think I'm very open and transparent and so in my mind I've had this before where like I'm talking to someone and we've been on a couple of dates and it's really great and everything's amazing and I'm like oh my god this is amazing and then something will happen or or they do something or or you know yeah they, they don't show up essentially in a way that I thought they would based on mm. who they've been for the last three days and it's so I, I found myself getting really devastated about it and then you know I think it was my sister and she was like yeah but you don't know them yet you know mm. it's like you can rush into this big thing and sometimes it does work and it's amazing when it does but usually who a person really is comes out over time when you experience different things with them and at the moment we aren't able to experience different things mm -hmm. because we are very limited um and I think that is interesting I also think yes again this really intense conversation via text you know voice noting you know you can feel like you're having a conversation with someone but you haven't actually met them or you've met them once and it is a very strange feeling to be like checking yourself to be like I actually don't really know this person yeah, I'm sending you like 10 minute voice notes because I'm chatting away, you know, and it, it is just remembering that they are showing one side of themselves or a few sides of themselves and just bearing that in mind, I think. I kind of feel like I'm coming across like I'm very suspicious and cynical, <laughs> like don't trust I anyone. <laughs> but yes, it's just being reminding yourself of those things, I think. Mm -hmm. absolutely and I think there's 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 positives to this whole kind of dating outlook like what would we actually have done without dating apps if we didn't if oh. we're in the middle of a global pandemic we would have been all screwed <laughs> we would not yeah. have a, you know we would not have been able to speak to anyone people might have felt really really lonely a lot of people do place an emphasis on they really want to be speaking to someone they want to have an intimate connection with people that yeah. you know for whatever reason and so you know I think that there's been some really positive things like I know a few of my friends who've done exactly what you mentioned before, who've met um, someone on a dating app and their only option because they really liked each other was to move in yeah. together, which, you know, from the outside looking in, you're like, whoa, that's crazy. But to them, it's completely yeah. normal and it's been a success. And I can think of two people already that I know that that has happened to. So there are so many positives through this as well. But like you say, I think the more that you can open up, show, you know, mm. self-acceptance and be vulnerable with someone, I think that's really important because I think how, how you interact with someone else, if, if you 
you show that you are vulnerable with them, quite often they will mirror that back to you. And that's how you form deeper relationships with someone. You someone you can tell immediately if someone is hiding something from you, if someone is trying to put on a front, you know, over time you can start to work, like wear that away and you start to really get to know someone. And I think it's really important to try and, yeah. and be as vulnerable as you can. And even more when you know who you are, and what you are willing to accept and not accept in your life and what you want and how what makes you feel good and what doesn't make you feel good then you are better able to understand and filter out the people that aren't going to do that not just on looks obviously but on lifestyle choices or you know beliefs or more you know you are when you know where you stand and who you are it's very it makes it much easier to kind of have your hard no's and your hard yeses and I very much when I look back is like I just wanted to be who these people but like what do you want to do it's like I don't know what do you want to do like what do you like to eat I don't you know I'll eat whatever you want to eat and it seems really small but every time I was doing that it was kind of going I again was not thinking about me I was thinking, okay, what do they want me to say? Because mm-hmm. if I say what they want me to say, then they'll love me and then I, they, they won't leave me and, and I'll be safe and loved and accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I know definitely two and three couples that have got together over the pandemic and it has worked beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's amazing. And I, and I do think there is something about, like you were saying, that chemistry like it's not necessarily about the physical attraction but it's that connection or that chemistry or that bouncing off each other that you sometimes miss if you're if you're just doing it behind a screen um so it's getting that balance around giving people a chance you know but also you can't give everyone a chance otherwise you'd be like I'm going on 7,000 dates you know I'm just saying yes to everyone you know you know you've got to not that I have 7,000 people in my, on my, on my <laughs> I wish. Um, it's that finding that balance, I think, with, as with everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, I've loved chatting about dating, self-love and vulnerability with you, but I'd love to chat to you a little bit more about your 20s in general. And you said that you were pretty scared yes. of this question before we came on. Um, <laughs> yes. But it's the question that everyone yeah. loves listening to the answers to. Um, and it's kind of... Have you ever had the biggest mess up of your 20s, of your adult life, where you thought, oh my goodness, that was such, you know, a mess. I can't believe that happened. I mean, I actually can feel the fear inside of me <laughs> as you said that question, like the memories coming through the, yes, yes, I have. Um, and I, I'm just trying to pick the, you know, when you're like, the, oh, which story? A lot of mine actually revolve around um, alcohol. And, you know, I I used to, you know, I, I used to get extru- like extremely drunk. Um, and at one, I'm going to tell a story, you know, I wasn't going to, but let's do it. <laughs> at one particular work event, this was when I, very early on in my career, um and there's a sad undertone to it but um I hadn't really eaten that much so it's this big event that happens every year mm. I can't believe I'm telling the story it's a big event that happens every <laughs> year yeah um and a certain group of people get to organize it and I was one of the people that got to organize it 
there was someone there that I had had a relationship with and it had ended quite badly. Actually, they had had behaved very badly. And I was obviously that, you know, when you're like, I'm going to look so good. <laughs> yes. look so good. I got my, I got extensions done, mate, honestly. Oh my God. Wearing, oh, oh, expensive mm. as well. <laughs> she was expensive. She was wearing a white dress. I mean, it was all a lot. Anyway, and I felt great. I hadn't obviously eaten much that day because it, at that point I, you know, it was like, well, I need to look as small and as glorious as possible, which is just stupid. And then it came to, it was a free bar. And I, the last thing I remember is doing triple vodka shots with my boss at the bar. <laughs> and yeah, the Not next day, star. I know. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> the next day I woke up in my bed and my sister came in there was always a bad side when she would like come in the room and I was like in a different outfit and I remember being like what happened and she was like it was bad and I was like oh my god basically I had been very unwell and they'd had to wrap me up in a tablecloth and put me in the corner of the room. Why am I telling you? And my sister had to come and get me. And also everyone was so drunk that, that no one was speaking coherently. So my friend had called her, been like, you need to come and get Emily. And my sister was like, what is going on? So she turned up and she said, she said I looked like a little prawn tempura because I was just like, I know. That's what the story is now known as, a prawn tempura moment. So she had to come and get me. And it was honestly, I, I would... I took a holiday for a week because I was like, this is so <laughs> embarrassing. I was like, I cannot go back to work. You know, I'd meant to be organizing this event. It still makes me feel sick to my stomach now. Um, and yeah, so the prawn tempura, that, you know, when I tell the story, oh, it it's like, yeah. How? <laughs> it's awful. But so, Emily, you're not alone. I feel like most I people know. have a work story that, okay, I didn't look like a prawn tempura in the corner, but... You know, I think a lot of us have pushed our limits at a work event before. If you've ever been invited to those things, like I think a lot of people will be listening to this yeah. going, oh my God, you just made me feel so much better. Cause I felt like the only person in the world to have ever messed up at a work do before. But, you know, I think it's, especially when the words free bar, like come out, you know, it's yeah. very, especially when you're, I find like when you're in your early twenties as well, that just seems way more exciting. Like now I'd be like, no, I'm sophisticated. I know my limits, but yeah, after it, you have to do it wrong first to be able to get it right, in my opinion. So, uh, oh. so yeah. I mean, I got I, it wrong. I mean, I also, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't all, I mean, I got it wrong there. And then was like, you know, there were still moments later when I was still getting absolutely wasted. But I think, the reason I think I find it so embarrassing was because I know in my, like, I know that feeling of wanting to impress that person that was there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're like, Again, that underpins so much of like when I look back, it's like you don't have to do those things for other people. Like mm. I was the only one, I was the one that felt awful, you know, and, and I guess for me it was a fail because I was really worried about my perception, the company, you know, you know, and all of that. And again, it was fine. Like so many other people, no one really remembered, you know, whatever, it was fine. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, I felt like it was a fail because I felt like I let myself down because you know upon reflection you know no one's gonna fancy someone that's wrapped up in a <laughs> tablecloth at the end of the day it wasn't it wasn't the best idea um so yeah for anyone that really 
has had those Christmas parties or anything, I'm with you. I totally get it. Um, <laughs> it it ha- it has haunted me to this very day. But it's a great mm-hmm. story. I like to you know I like to tell it mm-hmm. if it wasn't me mm-hmm. in that corner. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I've you enjoyed know. listening to it 100. Thank you very much. <laughs> Anyone that was at that party, please don't comment on <laughs> photos. We so. should put it out with the episode. <laughs> oh, there was absolutely no there's a before photo and that is it I can't even look at that I'm like get that off my screen yeah (laughs) so I'd love to know um whether you're kind of working on your own things we've chatted a lot in this podcast about all the things that you've worked through in your in your life and you've put it into a book you've written into a story pretty much Mm. all these kind of learnings that you've kind of come across but one of the things we like to talk about a lot on the podcast is that none of us are the finished package we're all working through something at the moment we're all like you said we already mentioned earlier in the podcast we're all working through journeys with self-acceptance and stuff like that but is there something that you personally feel like you're trying to work on at the moment to try and be better at because you know if anyone listening right now you might think she's a published author she's got a whole life together Mm. No, no, she does not. I will just let be clear, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> mm. um, I, for me, it's still that. And it's interesting, I, I've started working with this amazing coach. So I was in therapy for three years. <laughs> um, mainly, yes, triggered by the prawn tempura story. <laughs> um, and I worked on a lot of things and it was the most amazing process I, I, I've ever had. Um, but I was still finding things coming up in my life or patterns that were repeating themselves or thoughts I was having. And I was like, it's still something still there. So I actually started working with this amazing coach. She's the most wonderful human being. And we're on session three. And again, the same things are coming up and it is around self-acceptance and self-love. And this idea that I have to be perfect or there's no point in doing it. And there's been various experiences in my life that have taught me the opposite, for sure. Um, but it's still this fear that I'm not going to be good enough. And and it's it kind of appears in so many aspects that I, I probably didn't really appreciate um, until we kind of touched on it again recently. So that, for me, I think will be something that I will be working on for a lot for you know for a long time like the experiences and the situations that led to that were painful and it will take time to unpick but for me yeah that is Mm -hmm. that is the big one the real nugget you know I think so many people people can relate to that. Like, Mm. you know, they put such high expectations of themselves. They kind of hold them up on a pedestal. And I think it's because we compare ourselves with everyone else's filtered lives on social media. And we're like, why doesn't my life look like that? When in reality, that's not what's going on for everyone. But it doesn't stop us still telling ourselves that that's what we need to be. That's what we want to look like. That's what you know, where we hold ourselves up to. I'm guilty of it all the time, this whole mm. perfectionist thing. And I beat myself up if I haven't, you know, done what the things that I said that I would do and, and, and for, for on my to-do list. And, that, and that's really oh, yeah. only matters to me whether I've done it or not. And it doesn't, you know, I'm not let, I'm only letting myself down, but I, I'm harsh. I'm a harsh critic on myself. Yeah. I think that's kind of what you described there. You know, this whole idea with like, 
trying to be perfect, it's never going to work out. We're never going to be able to achieve perfection because I know that even if I have a great week, I'm like, I'll leave even higher the next week. And I just set myself another ridiculous goal. And and that that's just a never ending cycle. And you're never going to be able to kind of, kind of get out of that. So I think the fact that you are doing the work to really understand why it is you think that way and to, to try and unpick that is amazing. And I think it's something that we should all be all be talking about a lot more because it's it's a struggle for many 20 somethings I definitely think so yeah and I think especially for women interesting we're recording this the day after international women's day mm-hmm. um the expectations are huge and and uh, you know let's not you know as you're coming towards the end of your 20s if you aren't settled down and having a family I mean, there's pressure there. There's pressure if you're in a corporate environment. There's pressure if you're not in a, you know, the Mm -hmm. expectation. And because there is so much choice now and we are exposed to so many opportunities, there's almost this thing of like, should I be doing that too? Well, I'm Mm -hmm. not doing it, but I'm doing this thing. But like there's, Mm -hmm. oh, over here, you know, I was very much like, like that for a while of like, but I should be doing all these things because everyone else is doing them. And it's like, okay, but there, you don't know that that might be the only thing they're doing. And that's amazing. And it, again, coming back to what, what you want and what you desire in your life. Um, and it's difficult and it, and it is a painful process, you know, it is work, but, um, yeah, I know what you mean about the to-do list. I stopped writing mm. them for a while because I was like, sometimes I'd put things like shower on there just so I could tick something off. And I was yeah. like, Emily, this is this is too much. Have a, have a cup of tea. Yeah, well done, mate. You just like <laughs> looking at that nice list. Like, well done, mate. Um, so I've showered go. and had a cup of tea. That's all I needed <laughs> yeah. to do today. Excellent. Monday, <laughs> done. Nailed it. Um, but also again, like if that is learning that if that's all you do in that day, that's fine. Like for me, I'd be like, oh my God, that, mm. you know, I've, I've, I've not done enough. And then you're right. Like who is looking, who is watching that? Yeah. No one. Yeah. Um, I have to keep reminding myself that all the time. I'm like, because sometimes I say, to, I, I set myself these things that no one else knows what I'm setting myself, especially with the business and yes. stuff like that. No one has any idea. But then if I go, well, I haven't done that. Like my boyfriend often turns around to me and goes, but you didn't even say you were going to do that. So, you know, no one knows that you haven't done that. And it's like, yeah. oh, Oh yeah. Okay. No, it doesn't actually matter. And it doesn't matter if it waits a couple of months. It doesn't matter if I don't do it at all. It's only me that's telling me that I want to create, like open up another social media channel or create this kind of content. That's only only me. That's what all I'm putting on myself. So, you know, I, I, I think at the same time, we can't hold ourselves to too high expectations because we cannot do it all. And, and, and also I think the other thing is, so many things happen throughout your life that you cannot plan for. Like I'm an extreme planner. I absolutely love like going, mm-hmm. you know, this is what's happened today. But for example, last week I, on, uh, on Thursday, we saw a dog. We liked a puppy. It was so, so adorable. And we'd been looking for ages, kind of given up hope, but we saw this puppy and we were like, right, we're going to go and look at him tomorrow. And it was like, okay, oh my gosh, I'm not ready. I'm not, I've got a million yeah. things to do going to see him and then kind of writing off the whole weekend. Like, and now on Monday, I'm like, I absolutely adore my puppy. He's so, so gorgeous. But it's it's thrown me off track and life happens like that sometimes. I mean, not everyone goes and gets a puppy, but you know, (laughs) sometimes you have something that is just going to throw you off track and throw your whole world out of line. You know, you might get a phone call that you're not expecting. You might get Mm -hmm. a job opportunity that you're not expecting and you cannot plan for those things. But then I always find that when those things happen, because I've gone off track, 
I beat myself up about not being on track. And that's ridiculous. I think yeah. I need to allow to give myself more breathing space in these to-do lists, in these plans that I'm doing um, in order to be able to actually achieve them. Otherwise, I'm going to keep feeling like a total failure the whole time. For sure. And when you were speaking about that, it actually just really resonated with me because my ho- my book, my whole step into being an author was not planned. Like in my mind, I had it on my list to write a book, but I thought I'll do it when I have time, maybe when I'm older and I'm retired <laughs> at some point in my life. Mm-hmm. If I have planned, like if I had stuck to a plan, this notion of what I wanted for my life, it wouldn't have happened. Like and, and the you know the story of how it came to be when I say it back it does sound like something from a story because it was so unplanned and things just fell into place and I think it taught me that one of the the, the sayings that I absolutely adore and it's by Mark Groves and I'm sure you know who he is but if anyone's not who doesn't who's listening please I mean he's just me and my friends send voice notes about him like we're gonna meet him and marry him it's weird um <laughs> yeah that's an insight into my life but he says something about what misses you was never meant for you and what's meant Mm. for you will never miss you and I think for me that was just so important as a way to go it will come and you've got to allow room for it to come Mm -hmm. because if you are so constricted and planning and you know and I was obsessed with knowing everything happening at a certain point Mm -hmm. there's no room for anything more to come in than what you are focusing on in your space so again it's about having that balance of goals but being open to maybe something coming in that you're not anticipating yeah I I feel you it's Mm -hmm. hard it's Mm -hmm. really hard yeah Mm -hmm. oh I love where this conversation has led us because I think it's it's really kind of brought together so many different aspects of being a 20 something right now um and I I you know I I absolutely adore you Emily I've loved your book but I love chatting to you even more can you voice (laughs) note me because you're you sound like you did great voice notes (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing your wisdom. You know, you've been an absolute dream to have on the podcast, but are you going to write another book is what I want to know. <laughs> yes, I actually, uh, well, we're on book three. I've got oh, wow. book two, yeah, being edited. Well, as in I will be doing that. Um, I'm waiting for that. Um, and then, yeah, book three, I think there's a character that you will resonate. She's a real planner. So oh, I think yeah. you, yeah, I said you Yes. Um, so there will be a book too. Um, we are in the works. It's, it's in the works. Amazing. Well, I can't yeah. read to read, wait to read more of your books because they're absolutely brilliant. Where can we pick up before I saw you? Obviously not in bookshops because they're not open at the moment, but tell us where we can get them online. Oh. So you can get them online. So it's obviously available for Kindle. There's an audio book. You can get it from Amazon, WH Smith, Foils. Um, you can get it from most online book retailers mm-hmm. um, and that's the hardcover and then the paperback will be coming hopefully to some stores um, in July it's the 22nd of July so I'll be posting about that on my social accounts and everything so yeah mm-hmm. amazing well thank you so much Emily it's been amazing to chat with you but I always thank end the you. podcast with the one question that I love hearing the answers to as well as the funny stories and the prawn tampura story <laughs> Um, but I love asking people if you could look your 20 year old self in the eye and just say one thing to her one thing one piece of advice what would you say oh my god Mm. you 
are deserving and worthy of love exactly as you are. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that one. What amazing Thanks. words. And it shouldn't I'm be amazing not to words. Say more. <laughs> Usually like, people uh, start with something and then they ramble on towards the end. But I think that was just the perfect sentence to sum it up so beautifully. So thank you so much, Emily. I've loved having you on the podcast. It's been great to chat with you. And, and thank you again for writing such a wonderful book. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Talk 20s podcast. I hope it inspired you in some way and pops a little pep in your step for this week. Got a spare minute? It would mean the absolute world if you could subscribe, leave a review or share this episode with a friend. We're on a mission to help as many 20-somethings navigate their 20s as we can. And we really cannot do it without your support. We also love to hear from you. You can find us on all platforms via the handle at Talk20s. And if you're struggling with something in your 20s that we haven't already covered in the podcast, DM us and let us know so we can cover it in a future episode. And for more stories of inspiration and resources to help you make the best of your 20s, head to our website, talk20s.com.